Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. Streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, our show today is about how to be an adult in relationships, and that's the name of this book, How to Be an Adult in Relationships, The Five Keys to Mindful Loving, and it's by David Rico. Let me tell you about this wonderful guest who's coming to us from Northern California. David Rico, Ph.D., MFT, is a psychotherapist, teacher, workshop leader, and a writer who lives in beautiful Santa Barbara and San Francisco, California, two of my very favorite places. He combines Jungian Jungian, uh, poetic and mystical perspectives in his work with the intention of integrating the psychological and the spiritual. And his books and workshops include attention to Buddhist practices. So this is really wonderful for us because we really resonate with that. So you can find out more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com where you'll see his picture and his bio. And we link to his website davidrico.com that's d i'm sorry davrico.com that's d a v e r i c h o.com so dave thanks so much for joining us from beautiful northern california Thank you, and thanks so much for inviting me. So, yeah, I've, I really enjoyed reading your book, and um, and it reminds me a lot about, you know, how we really need to be mindful. I've been doing lots of uh, learning about mindfulness and training that, uh, training that I've been doing on mindfulness and emotional intelligence, and it really is so important in a relationship. So, so let's talk a little bit about it. How about the, what is the power of mindfulness? And maybe you can explain to my audience what it is and why it's so important in relationships. Mindfulness, as we understand it today, has to do with being able to be present, usually in a meditative pose, but of course you can just do this at any time. Be present in such a way that you notice the thoughts that are going through your mind But instead of passing judgment on what you're seeing or hearing, you let go of the judgments, you let go of any attempts to evaluate the experience or to uh, run from it or to cling to it, and you're just noticing it as it is, and you're a witness of it rather than getting triggered by it or caught up in it. So taking that style into a relationship would make for much better communication between the two people. Because now, when I hear you speak, I hear you as a witness. I really listen to you, and I push aside any judgments on you or blame of you or expectations of you or fear of what you're saying or desire to argue with what you're saying. Instead, I just hear as one who's really present, that is, as one who is not adding on to what you're saying, 
my own beliefs, attitudes, feelings that might get in the way of my really hearing you. It's not as if having attitudes and feelings is in any way wrong. It's just that in these special moments, which we would call mindful moments, we're simply noticing our tendency to go to our attitudes, biases, and so forth, and we're just laying them aside so that we can really hear what the other person is saying. Right. So as we're doing that, and and sometimes this is kind of a a difficult thing to do, right, because we sometimes want to react instead of just be present and hear it and then later respond. So I think um, part of that mindfulness is almost like being present and also having kind of like this a helicopter view at the same time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so you can you can be present and hear it and being absorbing. Like I heard the words that you said about what it means to be, you know, present, to be in that moment, to to not have judgment, not have criticism, not have blame, all those negative things. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, kind of watching yourself to keep yourself from reacting, <laughs> right? You kind yeah. of. Right, And the idea of using mindfulness as a daily meditation for, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, is to practice doing this. Because Mm -hmm. when you just sit by yourself silently, you notice all these thoughts going through your mind. Mm. And you notice how they come in with judgments and um, wishes, expectations attached to them. And... In this mindful meditation, you notice them and let go of them, like you, the same way you would let go of scenery if you're sitting on a tra- train. Mm-hmm. You do see it, but you're not grasping or holding on to anything. Mm-hmm. And, and you keep coming back to your breathing as a reminder of how to remain as a witness of what's going on in your mind, but not one who's caught up in it. Right. And when you were talking about letting go like a train, you kind of let those thoughts flow like like a train when you're going by in a train like the scenery. So Yeah, they're flowing past you. Right. The one thing I think about mindfulness, since I'm working on it every day myself and meditate, is one of the beauties of, of mindfulness for yourself is if you're in that that relationship and you can stop yourself from maybe even uh, allowing yourself to uh, keep on to those thoughts for yourself for example if I hear my husband saying something and I think it's you know crazy or nuts or something um, I can stop myself if I'm mindful I can say wait a minute why am I thinking that or why would I even say that I'm letting go of that so that's the beauty of being mindful is you can stop yourself before you say something really foolish or mm-hmm. stupid or mean or, or hurtful. judgmental or insulting yeah yeah, yeah. So however in it. that instance yeah. in which you had that reaction you could very respectfully say and this is let's say you speaking to your husband mm-hmm. um i think i understood what you just said and i'm really having trouble getting wrapping my mind around it can we 
discuss it a little more. Right, yeah. Or, or as I do as a mediator, when somebody says something, I go, help me understand what you mean by that. I'm not clear. Yeah. 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 So I am, yeah. And that's then they can explain something to you, and then maybe it doesn't sound so silly mm-hmm. <laughs> or so aggressive or so, you know, um, you know, offensive or whatever like that. You mm-hmm. know, just please explain that. Yeah. So you talk in your book um, about the five A's, which are the keys to open us up. Can we talk about what those five A's are? Sure. Um, When we came into the world, we came in with five very specific needs. A need for what I call the five A's, since each of the five starts with the letter A. So we had a need for attention. Mm -hmm. Someone had to understand our cries since we didn't have words. Right. We had a need for acceptance. Yep. Our caregivers had to accept us as we were mm-hmm. rather than try to make us into what they thought we should be. Right. A need for appreciation, which means being valued. Yep. And a need for affection, which means physical holding. Yeah. And finally, a need to be for allowing, which is to be allowed to go when the time comes to go. So on the first day of school, they weren't supposed to keep us at home because they needed us. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to let us go. And then they continued to let us go throughout our childhood until we finally left home once we were launched into the world, let's say. So these five A's, which are only five of the many hundreds of needs that we have, but let's say five main ones that everybody can relate to, they turn out to be the very same central needs that we have in an adult relationship. Yes. So when we meet someone and establish a relationship, we have five very specific ways of showing our love we pay attention to our partner we accept our partner we appreciate our partner rather than taking her or him for granted Mm -hmm. we show affection now perhaps in a sexual way if that's appropriate and we at the same time allow the partner to have his own point of view and 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 follow his own deepest needs and wishes so we bring these the needs for the five A's <clears throat> into a relationship, and we show love by responding to the five needs. When two people do this toward each other, that's called intimacy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've made this connection between early life and adult life, and that's one of the central themes of the book. It's beautiful, too. It's beautiful. I, I usually tell clients to have the three A's, but you, you went further. I usually talk about the attention, really listen when the other person is talking, the appreciation to be grateful for everything they do, let them know that they're appreciated, and the affection. It could be cuddling, it could be sex, it could be anything that shows mm-hmm. a, a sweet touch to see if they're in love and show each other. But I love, I love your five A's because I think it goes further. Now, h- how does the ego, what about the ego? We've got, we're trying to be mindful, and yet we have this ego that um, wants to react, wants to protect. Let's talk about how that really works with the five A's or how it doesn't work with the five A's. 
I could distinguish, um, let's say, three different kinds of ego. Okay. So first of all, the ego, according to Freud, is the strong, central, executive power of the psyche. So this is the part of you that establishes a goal and then does the things that lead to the fulfillment of the goal. Mm -hmm. So if I want to go across the street safely, I have to cross with the lights. That is an example of your healthy ego at work. Okay. However, yep. sometimes this ego becomes grandiose, uh, en entitled, arrogant, controlling. Mm -hmm. Then we say he or she has a big ego. We've all heard that phrase. Mm -hmm. That kind of ego is the deadly enemy of real intimacy. Mm. Because now you're coming across in a self-centered way rather than in a way that acknowledges the bond between the two of you. Or another way of saying it is, you're in the relationship to gratify your ego rather than to let go of your ego so you could gratify the relationship. Right, right. If you're so into your ego... You're somewhat narcissistic, and you can't really exactly. connect, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess we have an ego for a reason, though, right? <laughs> I mean, we have the the super the ego and the super ego and all that. I mean, we must have that ego. Was that ego really kind of like part of our primitive vein, uh, brain? Is is that why we have it? <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I understand what you're saying. And by the way, my book on this topic is called um, You Are Not What You Think. Oh, well, we'll have to read that one, too. In other words, you're <laughs> more than just your ego. Right. Ego is simply the Latin word for I. Yeah. So it describes one's identity, shall we say. Although in Buddhism, our perspective is that there is no separate self that all of us are linked. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so in, in that sense, there is no, no self. There's just uh, connection. Mm. But in any case, going back to what you brought up, the ego that, the reason we have an ego uh -huh. is so that we can get things done because it's like the, the executive power, the president, sitting in the oval office of your psyche. Okay. And, you know, he's trying to get the purposes, the vision of the country to be fulfilled. Mm. So that's why we need this healthy ego. <clears throat> now, you might also ask, well, are there times when it's good to have the arrogant, braggadocio ego? Yes, there are times for that. In very, very unusual, rare circumstances, sometimes you really have to speak up strongly in a situation, and you have to come across with a lot of bravado. As long as you do it as if it were theater rather than really believing in it, I think it's okay. For instance, let's say you're at a, you're at a uh, PTA meeting, and the superintendent of schools is telling you, telling all of you, that uh, the kids will not be allowed to read a certain book because it has a four-letter word in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where 
that's an example of where you want to stand up and speak your piece, and you may say it very strongly and with a lot of kind of ego energy attached to it, Mm -hmm. then it's perfectly okay because, you know, you're standing up for your rights as long as you know that at the end of the meeting, you go back to being uh, kindly and respectful and so forth. Yeah, and that's like a higher purpose rather than just for your own narcissistic reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a higher purpose. You're you're talking about, uh, you know, the First Amendment or whatever. So that's that's a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I do want to say one more thing about the ego, which is the ego's favorite sport is retaliation. Mm. So if you cross me, I'm going to get back at you. That's what the shall we say, inflated ego says. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is extremely dangerous and very, very common in relationships. So-called intimate relationships often have uh, elements of retaliation. One partner is getting back at the other in some way. Often the partner doesn't even realize that's what he's up to. Mm. But I have noticed in working with couples that um, this happens a lot more than we imagine. So well, this I is see why I recommend. When, yeah, I see I, it when I I do divorce mediation for the past thirty years. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be a very good. So example yeah, I mean, up. I I see it all the time because you know they have already they're not doing the the five A's. You know, mm-hmm. they're not accepting each other and they're not giving each other proper attention and they're not appreciating and they're not giving each other affection and they aren't allowing each other to be who they are. So I mean, that's mm-hmm. why they end up in my office. And, um, yeah, so so I, I see that kind of, you know, the danger stuff that, that you're talking about. And it seems like they do it, it's for protection. I think probably, like, when we think about the primitive brain, it's, it, you know, it's mm-hmm. all for protection. And I think the ego yeah. is probably there to protect us from our perceived danger, right? Yes, exactly. What I recommend to couples, you know, is to have a spiritual practice that includes a commitment no longer to retaliate. Right. That no matter what happens, I will try to work it out with you. I will open up a dialogue. I will say, ouch, Mm -hmm. but I won't get back at you. That's what I consider a sign of true love. And that's an adult relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you have to be very adult to do this, but you'd also have to have a spiritual orientation. Right. Because psychology can't help you let go of your ego. Right. It takes uh, an orientation that you get from something like Buddhism or the Sermon on the Mount, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, you know, examples of people who who got it that yes. we're not supposed to retaliate. You know, and I, I belong to an in, the In-Spirit Center down here, which is like um, Ernest Holmes' teachings. And he they talk about ego is edging God out. <laughs> you know, E-G. Yes, oh, ego edging God that's out. It. So, right. So that's kind of what you're talking about in terms of when you have a spiritual practice, you're able to stay within that higher realm and say, wait a minute, I don't want to be retaliating. That isn't who I am. You know, that isn't my higher self. So, 
Yeah. 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 Sort of reminds you of that statement by um, Michelle Obama. When they go low, we go high. Right. right. Instead of when they go low, we go low. Yeah. That's retaliation. Yeah, there's been a lot of ego in this campaign, <laughs> but we don't want to go there right now. No. Okay, so let's talk about, you talk, um, you explain what you mean, what hurts us comforts us. That sometimes we put up with abuse, either in, either in a relationship or we have put up with abuse in our childhood because it's, we're just so used to it that it begins to take the form of comfort. It's familiar. It's so yeah. familiar. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons it's so hard to let go of a relationship that's abusive mm. because you've kind of settled into it and you've get it, you're getting a certain comfort from it. It's a known entity. Yeah. Reminds me of a poem by Emily Dickinson. The first couple of lines are... How sweet this prison is. How, mm. you know, how it's like this, um, the prison that I'm in has become um, comfortable to me and is kind of has an enjoyment to it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as you said, because it's familiar. It's, yeah. I'm sorry, it's how soft this prison is, how sweet these sullen bars. Mm. So the bars of the prison that you're in become candied like. You know, they're they're sort of sugar-coated. Right, right. Let's talk about when romance is addictive. You talk, you have that in one of your chapters that I read. Well, since in the experience of romance, which is perfectly normal and wonderful, mm-hmm. a lot of adrenaline is coursing through our bodies, we could become addicted. We could become adrenaline junkies, as if quote the phrase, Mm. and we just want more and more of all that heady excitement, whereas in a mature relationship, or shall we say a relationship engaged in by mature people, they have understood that that the romance part is temporary, and that soon enough it will move into its second phase, which is conflict, And we have to have the kind of love that's able to survive the ending of romance and work through the conflicts that arise. When the relationship starts to become conflicted, a lot of arguments, a lot of disagreements, um, then the work is to roll up your sleeves and confront the issues, talk about them, put them there on the table, expose that elephant in the living room, and then try to work it out and come up with some kind of resolution so that things work better. And then you when go you back. Do that, yeah, I that's was going to say true commitment. Yeah, to and, the other person. And I was thinking then, when that happens, if you've decided that you're committed, then you got to go back to the five A's. <laughs> yeah. So that all you, throughout, you're showing those. Right. You go back, but if but if you're in such conflict that you feel like I, I you can't give the five A's, you can't give the attention, you're not accepting and you're not appreciating mm-hmm. and all that. 
then to fall in love again, maybe not with that initial lust that you might have had in the very beginning, that all those chemicals that were going crazy in your body, um, mm-hmm. but but you can fall in love again doing the five A's that you talk about. All throughout the relationship. Yeah, yeah. So the five A's are both needs yes. and wonderful ways of expressing love. Right. So all of us have the need for those five, and all of us in relationships are committing ourselves to show those five, and we're also hoping to receive them. And that gets back to mindfulness, which you talked about in the beginning, is mm-hmm. if we're mindful, you know, and, and I'm practicing all this stuff myself, so I, I'm not perfect, but I'm very mindful to, to say how grateful, you know, I am. Even though I've been with mm-hmm. my husband 27 years, you know, I'm really um, mm-hmm. very, I just wrote a book, Fighting for Love, Turn Conflict into Intimacy with a Therapist. And so as I was writing this book, and I'm sure as you were writing your book, you became much more mindful of what you're doing because the book talks to us too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, you have to be mindful and conscious to think, okay, I'm going to give my spouse attention or my lover attention. I'm going to be accepting of his or her thoughts about this, even though I see it differently. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to appreciate every little thing that he or she does, and I'm going to say thank you for it. And that's part of that mindfulness of being present that you talked about in the beginning is keeping that at a mindful level, which people mm-hmm. get, you know, they get into their routines and they don't do it anymore, do they? Yeah, they kind of give up on it. Yeah. So, or start to take each other for granted. Right. So how about, how do we learn from our fears? The two central fears that seem to come up in relationships are first, the fear of abandonment, mm-hmm. which is the fear that the other person will go away, right, and that then I will be left alone and I won't be able to survive because mm-hmm. I'll feel so bad. The other fear is the opposite. It's the fear that the other person will stay and get so close that he or she will take away my freedom. Mm. That's called the fear of engulfment. Mm. So a healthy relationship is one in which you can let the other person be himself or herself and not interpret it as abandonment of you. And you can let the other person also get close and be intimate with you without believing that thereby you are losing your freedom. Right. That's it's so enmeshed, so yeah. The, the work is to be able to c- confront and let go of both of those fears, and the you know state-of-the-art way of letting go of them is to allow the other person to come and go freely, or even if, the, even if there's a breakup, to let yourself go through it, to let yourself feel that fear and notice that you do survive. And alternatively, let the other person get as close as you can handle and, you know, stay with it for one more minute than you can handle and then next time do it again. 
Yeah, I remember reading somewhere something really beautiful, and I can't—I don't remember where it was, but it talked about being close enough to touch, but to let the wind blow between you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. But we are just out of time, David. I could talk to you forever. I love it. Well, so, thank you. And um, I, I just enjoy want talking people, to you. Yeah, I wanted people to know your book is "How to Be an Adult in Relationship." Relationships, The Five Keys to Mindful Loving by David Rigo. David, just give your website and then it's time to go, okay? Sure, it's DaveRico.com, D-A-V-E-R-I-C-H-O.com. All right, well, we'll keep in touch and maybe you'll send me that other book and we'll we'll do another one, all right? Okay. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. right here on KUCI and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. So you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and I hope to have you back again. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight both night and day Doesn't matter what some people may say Don't be the lamb's cry, be the lion's roar Cause love is worth fighting for, I know, yeah Love is worth fighting for Love is worth fighting for